Hi everyone, this is Justine and welcome to Investigative Selfism. Today's topic is a big one. It's momentum. And um, I think it's one of the topics that when someone mentions that, and especially when someone mentions that with like a lot of enthusiasm, people might kind of roll their eyes, you know, it's such a... It's such a used and maybe overused word, but I think it is a good one. And let's talk about it today and let's, more importantly, deconstruct it. Why? Because I think it's really easy and it's also very annoying to say, just take that action, start moving, feel the momentum, you'll keep on moving. And I would say, well, okay, yeah, I understand that part, Um, but how to take that action, how to get to the point that you start doing something, even if it's a small step. This is actually how we get that momentum. So I thought, okay, let's use various disciplines, various teachings, and kind of deconstruct it step by step. So the ideal end result is for us to take that action, start writing something, apply for a job. Not even apply for a job, actually. Start updating your CV, right? This is, this is where the action starts. However small it is, how to get there. And I think in the end, everything is very much related to neuroscience because, hey, this is how our body, this is how our mind works, right? So it's safe to say that most of the tricks, so to speak, they all relate to our dopamine release and how we feel motivated to seek pleasure and to avoid pain. Pleasure and pain, you might have heard, obviously, Tony Robbins talks about them a lot, but that's because it is all related to how our hormones work, really. But so, okay, how to take that action, how to get that momentum. Oh my goodness, let's try to unpack it. So let's start by defining a momentum. So I guess we can define it as a circle of sorts. You start taking some action, you see yourself take action, you feel good for having taken that action, and that pushes you to take more action. So you have to kind of get yourself into that hashtag action. Yes, this is exactly what actually Mel Robbins, a really cool lady among other things and a speaker, uh, this is how she presents it as well, that action confidence kind of loop. And you might have heard many people present momentum like this. A more cliched saying, a body in action, stays in action, blah, blah, blah. Yes. But so if we go more deeply, right, uh, what Brendan Burchard would say, it's difficult to feel motivated if you don't really connect to that bigger, stronger, way more meaningful why behind doing something. And I think that is indeed really important. So I'll give you an example. If I sit by my desk and I think, okay, I guess I'm going to do this course that I've signed up for, even though I want to do it, but I don't feel very much like doing it, right? And if I ask myself, okay, why? Why are you taking this course, remember? Um, And I think, oh yeah, because I want to be better equipped to do this certain thing so that I can do this other thing. I can, let's say, help more people or reach a bigger audience, ta-da-ta-ta. And by doing that, I connect to this bigger thing, identity, ta-da-ta. So I think what's behind, uh, at least a couple of steps behind, taking that small action to feel the momentum, like we have to connect to that stronger why. But I'd say between connecting to the stronger why and still taking action, there are still steps inside. Like I think it's still not as straightforward. So I'm kind of trying to formulate a line, a chain of events, a chain of actions, reflections we can take to get from identity to momentum. And I think it's really difficult to take any action if we're in a really shitty state, honestly, right? We feel low on energy, um, our mind wanders, 
Like we focus on maybe the negatives and not on what we've been already capable of, what we've done, you know, in life and what we can build on. So it's the triad, okay, triangle of body, language, and focus. This is what neurolinguistic programming talks a lot about. So what that says is, hey, we have to be careful with our language. We have to control our focus. And also there's that body element, right? So we have to keep our body engaged, keep our body strong. Even how we stand makes a difference. We all heard how if you stand in the Superman slash Wonder Woman, whatever pose, right? Like um, hands behind your back. And if we stand like that for, I believe like maybe like longer than a minute, how our testosterone levels increase, which makes us more prone to risk-taking, increase our confidence. So, hey, before a job interview, you might as well just stand in this weird pose for some time. So all these things, not even tricks, it's just how our body works. So once again, if we want to start taking some action, let's go back. We have to put ourselves in a slightly better state. Simple things, exercise, which is also amazing for your brain, brain plasticity, right? We can create a structure for ourselves in our day to try to control our focus, what we think about. And also we really have to watch our language and how important it is. Well, I've released a mini series, as I call it, within my podcast, this very podcast, on exactly that, on self-compassion, the language of choice, and the language of action. So if you haven't listened to these episodes, it's a really strong, I would say, combo of various concepts, reminders, and I also talk about what is called nonviolent communication. So it's another discipline that you might find very interesting. But so we have to take care of our language. So to put ourselves in a better state, to start taking that action, to start feeling momentum, it's about the body, the focus, the language. And obviously you can say, well, what you focus on, your thoughts could be called your internal language and your then external language. So I understand that focus and language are actually really tightly connected. Okay, so what's further down this chain? So we have take the action, cannot take the action, I'm in a shitty state. Okay, watch your language, see how your body is, see what your focus is. And then the third part of the chain, the one I've mentioned at the very beginning, I think it really has to be that stronger why, and it has to be our identity, and then the intention we set from our identity. So just like my very simple example of, oh, should I take this course? I'm going to open my notebook. Okay, what state I am in? How is my body doing? What am I focusing on? What's my language? And talking about what I'm focusing on, can I create a structure for myself to focus on that stronger why? Why is this important to me? And talking about identity, a couple of questions. What is important to me? What are my values? What is my, to use the language I really like from The Seven Habits, a super famous for very good reasons book, right? What is my life mission? I know it sounds very cheesy, but it's so important. If you sit down, if you take that time to sit down and write down, what are my values? What is that that I seek, enjoy, and appreciate in life? What are these guiding principles, so to speak, that I use when I think about what I should do with my life, how I should connect with people, how I want to treat others, how much of the world I want to see, right? Various things. What are those pillars of what not necessarily makes you tick, but what you really value, like what's important to you? 
And I really like how there are plenty of examples, some interesting studies on how that intrinsic motivation or connecting to your identity can help in ways that you might not even realize. So some studies showed how, let's say if you have a bunch of students before an exam and you have a couple of control groups and one group is asked certain questions, the other group is either asked different questions or no questions. But the group that was asked some deeper questions about, let's say, why they want to do well on this test, uh, something like that, right? If they had a chance to reflect on that before the exam, that group would do statistically significantly better than the other group. It's insane. Just a simple question. It kind of interestingly works both ways. There was a study that was mentioned in one of the books on gender equality that I really liked. I will link that in the description of this episode on how women, if they were asked questions about some negative stereotypes before also taking a test, let's say, for example, a driving test, and if those questions reminded them of negative stereotypes, they would think about that and they would do worse on the test. So once again, what you focus on and if you actually connect to that stronger why, if you connect to what is at the core of your identity. And let me give you a very basic example from my own life. So so approximately a year ago, I decided that if I want to move to a certain field to change my career path, I really have to sit down and learn Excel. And like, I'm good with math. Math is all fine. I just don't know how Excel works. And I've been thinking about it. I've been sort of postponing that for what now I can say a decade. So for me, starting to take some courses was that small action that would have led to a bigger momentum. And in the end, it did. What I needed was to go a couple of levels deep. So I had to put myself in a better physical state. I had to focus on my previous capabilities to say, of course, anything I can put my mind on, I can do. I have examples of that from my past. I know I'm capable. I just have to freaking do it, you know. I had to change my language, yes. But then what was underneath also was a reassessment or realization really of my identity, what's important and how everything connects to what I want to do in life. So if I say that a couple of values in my life and a couple of mission points is that I want to help people and that I see myself as a learner, then I can say, okay, how can I help more people? How can I serve better? And the boring answer is, yeah, I have to know how to use this annoying program because then I can actually go into the field that will allow me to do the things I really want to do. Also, if I see myself as someone who is not afraid of challenges, I'm a learner, I seek that new knowledge, I'm curious, and then I shouldn't be afraid to learn how to work with new tools. So in the end, for me to wake up earlier, open a YouTube video, open my Google Sheets and do that one lesson before work, then suddenly that means so much more than just learning how to work with Excel. It's about my identity. It's about how I see myself. It's about all these cool things I want to do. But in order to get somewhere, just to go to that next level career-wise, this is what I have to do. But imagine all the cool things that I will be able to do to live into my values as I'm doing it. And actually not even once I'm done, once I get into that next job, Right now, I am actually, by doing that, I am living into my values. And this is such a beautiful thing when I think about it. It's a realization that if my identity, if my values, what's important to me, my life mission is clear to me, it's not in the future. I don't have to wait to be in a certain way. And this is an interesting finding that Brendan Burchard and his team found when they did a big study, I think it's the study, 
on people who could be called high performance, people who have achieved high performance, but also kept uh, a level of joy and, you know, sort of like balance in their lives. Like they did a lot, but they also didn't destroy their health or relationships. So there was a, an interesting study done on that. And one of the findings was that high performers were living into their values now. Like if you see yourself as a leader, you don't have to wait until you're a manager to be a leader. Like you can have a leader's mindset right now. Or if you see yourself as super dedicated, you don't have to be in a position where you have to work a lot to prove and show to yourself that you are dedicated. Like you can be dedicated every day. So this is, I think, a nice kind of both a requirement and a almost like a side effect of connecting to that strong why getting yourself in a better state and from that better, more energized state, start taking small steps, start feeling that momentum. And I know that I've impacted quite a lot quickly in this episode. So what I've done, I've created some helpful, I claim, visuals that go with this episode. I put them like a basic infographic using my very mediocre graphic design skills and I've put that in the article that surrounds my episode. I've put more links in there so you can check out almost everything really that I've been mentioning here today. So once again, from identity, connecting to the stronger why, setting the intention, how I want to be, because I can be how I want to be every day. I don't have to wait, right? So identity, intention, putting yourself in a better state, the triad of body, focus, language. And once you're in a better state, you can take that small action then you can see yourself take that action and think, this is really cool. Look at me. I did something. Dopamine got released. And then you take another step and you feel good. And then you take yet another step. And look, this is how we get to the cheesy and overused concept that is called a momentum. And I know that the tone that I'm using is not too serious, while to get that momentum is actually really hard, especially if you're starting from a really low point. You know, I I understand that. But the good news is that we have the science. We have the science that says how our brains work, how our hormones work. We have plenty of cool research from which amazing advice comes. And those tips, they serve as a base. And then obviously where you choose to go from that base is up to you. Sadly, 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 no one can take certain decisions for you. No one can force you to try the things that can really help you in terms of your motivation, energy levels, your joy levels even. I cannot force you. No one can really. But here are the structures. Here are some tools, teachers, what the neuroscience says, and it's up to you now. And in my previous episode, I talked about the cost of inaction, if you've listened to that one. And it also relates very much to that pleasure and pain division and basically what I was saying is that if you sit down and you think about all the pain you're going to feel if you don't take that action now and with any action right if you use the same uh, framework pleasure and pain but you can you can literally sit down take a piece of paper think of an action write down what's the pleasure you're going to get from taking it and what's the pain that you're going to experience if you don't take it a very simple exercise you might have heard about it So this, this episode takes it a bit further because I know it's not enough to say, just imagine the pain you're going to feel if you don't take a certain action that can be powerful enough. But I thought, you know what? It's still difficult to take that action. 
The price of an action, the pain of an action is real. The pleasure of taking that action is also real. And you can actually use both. So once again, identity, putting yourself in a better state, taking a small step to see that, hey, you can, you can take that small step. And that, using strong language, it will lead, not even it can lead, but you can say it will lead to other steps. So thank you for listening. I know that this was a dense one. I hope you find it useful. Please, please, please check out the article that comes with it because it has a lot. It is really designed to go with this episode. Check it out. Connect to the deeper why. Think about your identity. Take that action. Get that momentum going. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll see you next week.